0: Welcome to our final lesson of Teaching 101, Bellevue's resource for training teachers and potential teachers. Today, we'll look at Lesson 10, PowerPoints and Pointers. This is just some practical helps to help you preparing everything and sending it out to the people that you're teaching. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. He says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. I want to just help guide you a little bit in when you are presenting what God has laid on your heart, but also when you are guiding the people that are underneath you. And I want to give you two things specifically today. First thing is a PowerPoint. Use a PowerPoint. We have TVs and things in almost every room, and if your room doesn't have that where you teach here at Bellevue, I would encourage you to talk to your stage of life pastor and let's make that happen where we can get a TV in your room to be able to make a PowerPoint there for you so that you can put a visual in front of your people. Let me give you a few things with that PowerPoint. Develop after you have practiced. Don't develop your PowerPoint on Tuesday because it's very likely that if you are not finishing up your lesson until Thursday or Friday that some things are going to change. And so if you've prepared Your PowerPoint on Tuesday, you're going to have a whole bunch of things to tweak. So i found that the best time to prepare that PowerPoint is after I have practiced and polished my lesson and I know that it is ready to present. Then I prepare and make that PowerPoint. Secondly, be professional on your PowerPoint. There are professional PowerPoints already out there. Whatever system you use, if you use the actual PowerPoint by Microsoft, there's some professional ones there. Make it look good. Keep it simple. Keep it clean and make it look professional. On that PowerPoint, I would encourage you to put the main scripture on the screen, whether it's one verse or five verses. Make sure that you get those on the screen, and that is for two reasons. Number one, it is a visual for people to read. and Number two, a lot of people aren't carrying their Bibles to church anymore. And so I want them to see the Word. I want them to read the Word. So put that Scripture up on the screen. Another thing to put up on the screen is your points. If you've got one, two, five points, make sure you put those on the screen because you've got people that are taking notes out there, and they want to write that down. And you may have said it quickly, and so they want to be able to look at it. But also, as you leave it up there, it will get ingrained in people's minds because the longer that they see it, the more they will remember it. Another thing to put on the screen is quotes. If you're going to quote somebody, first of all, let me remind you that if we ever use somebody else's information like I've done a couple times in these lessons, you give credit to that person. We're not going to plagiarize anything. If somebody else said it, give credit to them. Say this is who said it. But if I'm going to give a quote about somebody, I'm going to put the quote up on the screen, I'm going to put it in quotations, and I'm going to put the name of the person underneath it that said it because I want them to get the credit for it. I'm using the quote Honestly, as kind of like an illustration, it's to shine light on the truth that I'm trying to convey to the people that are listening. So put quotes up on the screen, and then put pictures and, lastly, videos up on the screen. People love to see pictures. They love to see videos. So if you saw a video lately that would really drive home a point, put it up on the screen. Now, be careful what you put on the screen. I typically will never use a movie clip. Honestly, I don't know that I've ever used a movie clip for the simple reason movies sometimes can be offensive. Sometimes people have different tastes in movies. Sometimes people have different levels of which they'll watch movies. They won't watch a movie past PG or they won't watch a movie past PG-13 or whatever. I'm not telling you what movies to watch. I'm just saying I would be very careful to put a movie clip up on a screen. But maybe it's a video from something you've watched. Maybe it's about a missionary or maybe it's about something, a service project that's going on in our city. And then pictures. Put a picture up of your family on vacation. One of the most impactful pictures I ever saw put on the screen was a teacher one time was teaching, and they had just gone on a trip to Disney World, and he puts this picture of his family in front of the Magic Kingdom. So you've got this huge palace behind them, and the family looks perfect, the background looks perfect, and it was just this perfect picture, and I thought, wow, what an incredible family. They're so amazing. They're so perfect. And then he says, but I need to show you this next picture. He shows me the next picture, and it's the family family. They've got the youngest ones crying, the oldest ones yelling at somebody, and you can just see from the picture that it is not going well. And he said, you know, oftentimes we put these beautiful pictures on Facebook and we want everybody to think everything's perfect. He said, when behind the scenes, we struggle just like everybody else. That picture spoke a thousand words to me, and I'll never forget it because I remember thinking, oh, wow, they're just like we are. They have struggles as well. So think through any type of visual you can put in that PowerPoint that'll just help drive home some points. So that's the first thing I want to talk about today is PowerPoint. The second thing I want to do is just give you some pointers. Just some pointers. These are things that I've learned throughout the years. I talked to some of our adult ministry team and just said, hey, if you wanted to say anything or give them some pointers, what would they be? So I've just got a few things I want to give you here. And the first one is this. I learned this a long time ago. Be yourself. Don't try to be Brother Steve. Don't try to be Miss Donna. Don't try to be Adrian Rogers. Be yourself. God has uniquely equipped and gifted you to be who you are. And there are people in that class that came and one of the reasons they come to your class is because they love you for who you are. And so don't try to teach like anybody else, teach like you are and just let the Holy Spirit work through you. So be yourself. The second thing is avoid us and ums. Avoid us and ums. You say, well, I know that. I know that we know that, but oftentimes we use those all the time. We use those as fillers. I wanna say this to you. Instead of saying uh or um, let there be a pause. Let there be silence. You say silence can be uncomfortable. That's fine. Collect your thoughts. Don't use uh or ums. I one time critiqued a sermon for a friend of mine. He got done preaching, and when he was done, he said, what'd you think? I said, I love the sermon. I love the points. I love the illustrations. I love the applications. I think it was spot on. Your big idea was spot on with the text. You did a great job. You looked great. Your hand motions were great. Your inflection in your voice was great. And he said, yes, but is there a but coming? And I said, well, there's just one thing. And he said, what is it? I said, well, I made little tally marks at the top of my page of every time you said, oh, or, U-M, and you said, oh, or, um just over 160 times. He said, you're kidding. I only preached 30 minutes. I said, yes, but you're using that as kind of transition and as you're collecting your thoughts, if you will cut that out and let there be half second or one second pauses, your sermon will be that much better. And so he went back and listened to it because we recorded it, and he said, you're right. And so he's begun weeding those out. Get rid of those. Don't use those. And if you have to use them, use them as little as possible. The third thing I would say is keep eye contact. Keep eye contact with the people you're teaching. I know some people are nervous when they're speaking and they look over the heads of people, but make eye contact with people. When you make eye contact with people, it keeps you engaged in the hearer, but it also keeps the hearer engaged in what you are saying. So keep eye contact with your people when you're not looking down at your notes. Number four, be familiar with your notes. When you practice, you're kind of getting yourself familiar. You already know the points. You have written the points. But go through your notes a couple times so that when you get there, you're not just sitting down and reading them. I heard a guy teach a lesson one time. He literally read it from start to finish. And When we got done, I thought, I didn't like that at all. I like some of the things he had to say, but I didn't like the way he presented it. And as good he just read it, he had his head down the whole time, and I never saw his face. So be familiar with your notes. Have all Scripture marked in your Bible. One of the things that drives me crazy, and I've done it, is I'll say turn in your Bibles to you know, Romans 6, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. And then later on in the message, I'll say, now let's look at Psalm 115. And I didn't mark it in my Bible, and it takes me seven minutes to find Psalm 117 or whatever the passage I'm looking for. Don't do that. Make sure you've got them marked throughout your Bible so you can turn to them easily. And if you have notes, I would encourage you to always print all your verses in your notes as well so that you have your Bible open and it is God's Word, but if you read it from your notes, it's right there in front of you and you don't have to flip to it. So have all your scripture marked in your Bible and be ready. Ask questions. This is one of the biggest ones. As I talked to Tim Shelton, he said, sometimes teachers just teach and it's just a lecture. Ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. The next thing I will say is silence is okay. It took me about four or five years to get comfortable with this. When I ask a question, I'll just be silent, and I'll just give people time to answer. And a couple years ago, it was like 90 seconds before anybody said a word. And this is what I said after 90 seconds. I said, silence doesn't bother me. I'm going to stay silent until somebody answers the question. And we sat there, and finally somebody did. It's one of the best discussions we ever had in that class because people just started talking, and it kept going after that. And so silence is okay. The next thing is allow the Holy Spirit room to work. Don't get in there and just say, I've got this in my notes and this is everything I have to say. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will divert. Sometimes someone will ask a question and you'll think, wow, that is so good. Or someone will bring up something that they're struggling with and you need to walk through and go through that. Now, Don't just go down a rabbit trail just to go down it. Sometimes you've got to pull the class back, but oftentimes the Holy Spirit will start working through a question that's asked. And you know what? Let's not be as teachers so arrogant to think we have to get through all of our notes that we stop the Holy Spirit from doing what He wants to do. And I've been guilty of that. I've said, hey, I've got to get through this, but let's talk about that later. And I've totally kind of just squashed what the Lord was trying to do right there. So make sure you give the Holy Spirit the room to work and work in a way that He wants to. The next thing is connect back to the vision frame. I think oftentimes we forget to utilize the vision frame, but we've got those in almost every life group on the wall, if not every life group on the wall. And I would encourage you, anytime you're talking about discipleship, point back to the vision frame. Anytime you're talking about sharing the gospel with somebody, point back to the vision frame. Anytime you're talking about reading God's Word or memorizing God's Word, point back to the vision frame. Remember, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We have a vision at Bellevue. We know the mission, love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. And we utilize that often, but it's important to point people back to the vision frame so we keep that vision in front of them. Next, have members read the Scripture off the screen. So put your verses up there and ask people to read the Scripture. Why do this? It engages more people in the room, and it brings life to the room, and it keeps people on their toes, keeping them engaged in what's going on because they may be called on next. So ask people to read from the screen. Use the whiteboard. Maybe draw a graph or a chart or draw a word or put up there, hey, let's talk about the different attributes of God today. Somebody, Some people just start throwing out attributes of God and write them down. It's another visual. It's another way. Now, I can't spell. I already told you that earlier in another lesson. And so I usually bring up somebody else to do that because I know I'm not going to be able to spell it correctly. But use the whiteboard. Engage people that way. And then engage leaders to do announcements and prayer requests. There are other portions of your life group other than just the teaching. Engage your leaders and help them lead your life group. You don't have to do everything. You've spent a lot of time preparing to teach, and so teach and let them do some of these other things. Over the last 10 lessons, I've given you a lot of information, and maybe it's been helpful a lot, and maybe it's been helpful a little bit. Maybe you didn't take away anything, and that's okay. I want to say, first of all, thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for listening I hope that you used your workbook and that you'll go back and use that as a resource. Here's the last thing that I want to encourage you to do. I want you to email me or call me letting me know that you have completed all 10 lessons and I would like to set up a time to meet with you and just ask you what's God's doing in your life. Where's God calling you to teach? And that I want to help connect you to that ministry. If that's married 40s and 50s, I want to get you with Tim Shelton. If that's young couples and families, I want to get you with Colin Whitney. If that's college students, I want to get you with Daniel Harris. If that's children's ministry, I want to get you with Ken Hyman and his team. I want to be here as a resource for you. I am for you. I am for what God is doing in your life. And I hope that the time we've spent together over these last 10 lessons has been encouraging, has been beneficial to you, and I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of what God's doing in your life.